UFC 172 is in the books. We are bringing back James Coe. We are going to talk to new friend Brandon McCatherine. But first, oh my God, I'm so excited because here with me is the man that reviews the Ultimate Fighter, Raph Esparza. Raph, how are you doing this evening? Let me add him. Yes, I'm so excited this is back. Really, the people are who win here. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the people have been begging for it. Lots of fan mail. Thank you. And after a lot of pressure and feedback, we are going to go back to the one-minute review. As people know and love it, Rafa Sparza, are you ready? I am. And I've actually been in anticipation for this. And, and, and maybe some uh, mental problems that I have in real life is that I've just gone up to people and been very one-minute reviewing everything around me. Perfect. Like a Rocky montage. It's oh, you reviewing like uh, the in and out menu and he's the, he's confused. This guy is taking my order, but he's not very good at it. So I'm going to have to mock him and let him know that he's got to go anywhere with his life. Ha 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 ha. That's right. You should go to college. No, ITT tech. I'm sorry. Anyway, thanks for your order. Bye. Here's my 270. Perfect. So you're in primary mode. I hope to so. review yeah. the ultimate fighter. I'm all set. I'm, I'm, in, I'm stoked to talk about it because you know what? We were sad about Tough Nations, and Tough Brazil is a thing that you have to pay for. So, like, this is one that you can see. Not a lot of people are, so we're going to try and get people back interested in The Ultimate Fighter, because that's what we do on the show. I'll tell you this. I'm in. I'm all in. Frankie Edgar, BJ Penn, why wouldn't I be? Uh, I hope I didn't just spoiler alert anything from the (laughs) review. Kevin's giving away what every commercial has. (laughs) You know, you can never be too careful with these things. All right, I would like to issue a warning. This is a one-minute review of The Ultimate Fighter. And here we go. Doors open. Fighting is really crazy. It makes you not human-like, like you're fighting aliens and stuff. The Ultimate Fighter, time lapse. Dana White, the Ultimate Fighters where champions are born and ratings go down on Fox Sports 1, which is why we put on the weight classes you actually fucking want to see. So you fuckers better be watching this season or else. Your coach is deceased on a Frankie Edgar and BJ Penn. So, BJ Penn came up to me and was like, The first time I locked to Frankie Edgar, shame on you. The second time, shame on me. The third time, though, is the fucking charm. He's crazy like that. So get this. Dana thinks that there's going to be some tension the first time BJ and Frankie meet. And there isn't. Wow. <laughs> the first time we've had tough coaches talk to one each other respectfully. When the hell did this show start sending their couples to couples therapy? BJ Penn. Oh, yeah, it's hard to hate Frankie, except for the fact that he beat me and stuff. But, like, nah, bro. Like, we'll fight again, you know? And Frankie tells BJ some important news. He tried out for the show the last time BJ was a coach. No way, brother. That's amazing, bro. Wow. <laughs> Shock. BJ and Frankie are just as excited to coach the middle and light heavyweights. Who knows? Maybe we might see the next John Jones or Anderson Silva because that's exactly what Dana told me to say. Dana walks in to scare the fighters in their dressing rooms with his trademark energy drink. Hey, Kev, ask me if it was a Nas. Was it a Nas? I can't tell because Dana has hand over the fucking branding. First up, an NFL lineman who looks like a lumberjack whose mom feels sorry for the other guy. The other guy? Bald dead who Skypes with his family. After a kick, Skype dad levels the NFL lumberjack so hard even Herb Dean falls down trying to pull him off. The NFL lumberjack isn't moving and the mom gets up to check on him. This isn't cool. Even Dana White agrees. This is why I hate families coming to see these fights. The guy named Spawn moves on. Biloxi Freckles moves some stuff around his hotel room to practice and he has to go up against Mexican guy who's good at wrestling or as we call them in Mexico, Mexican who likes short shorts team red who secretly believes that a pair of scissors is good luck 
to their shorts. Great. Now this is turned into Project Runway. Is Tuff going soft on us in its old age? Mexican guy lands a guillotine and then asks Dana to be his uncle. Uh, I'm sorry. I believe it's pronounced Theo, Hector Eubinia. Theo. Dude who tried out for Tough 17 gets another shot, but we'll have to go through God in the form of a preacher man. Fight starts. The preacher gets clocked early, but former Tough Audition guy raises his hands to celebrate a little too early because, surprise, the fight's still going. But as the preacher man survives the barrage to secure a Hail Mary armbar before making the most anticlimactic win response ever heard, I'm not going home! And the Tough Audition guy falls for a second time, pronouncing he's done fighting. Kim Winslow, sensing the mood is sombered, decides to crack a joke by pronouncing Todd Manigan as the winner of the bout via TKO. No, wait, no, she just screwed up like usual. So stop me if you've heard this one before, Kev. How many fights does it take a random Irish fighter wearing a wool cap to get into the tough house? None, because everyone who they had on tap got injured or didn't make weight. So welcome to the house, Kitharal Patad, and to help explain, Data does some laugh. Instead of seeing 16 fucking fights, you're only seeing 15. An ultimate fighter first. Oh no, Roger Zapata sees his daughter for the first time via Skype right before this fight. That's rough timing, but he has only one way to describe his energy before a fight. Woo! He's fighting a dude who feels bad for subjecting his wife to a fight life. Before the fight, Dana blames the short shorts outbreak on Jersey. What's that? You can't wait to see this fight? Well, fuck you. Eat these performance highlights, sons. And Welcome to the house, Mr. Zapata. Looks like you're fighting for three now. Wait, did someone say one of the next contenders is a Bellator champion? But the UFC would never let anyone mention that name unless, uh uh-oh. Dana goes full Joe Pesci on us. It's not going to look too good if that Bellator jerk-off makes it into the house. Am I right, guys? And BJ and Frankie chime in like true good fellas. Yeah, boss, get him. Non-Bellator guy, after going into a win, goes over to the bald father and professes his allegiance. Bellator champs don't belong here. Then for some reason, Dana says he loves that kid. His name is Ian Stevenson. Then another guy from Ireland talks about how he got married. His opponent is a real mama's boy. Seriously. Who says that he won't fight unless his mom is there. To which his mom later says she'll promptly leave the building right after he steps into the cage. And since a guy from Ireland is in the cage, naturally, Conor McGregor has to show up. They start the fight. The exchanges are solid with Mama's Boy getting the better of the early action. When Mama's Boy goes for a violent takedown, he puts so much force that he breaks his own leg. On his way out, Frankie Edgar tells the mama's boy, hey, man, tough break. Phrasing, come on, Edgar, you're better than that. And your winner by accidental freak accident, Chris Fields. As Dana tries to make sense of it all, Frankie quips, huh, mama's boy didn't cut his shorts. Again, Frankie, really? Too soon. Our next contestant tells us that when you are from Russia, you are so poor, you pay for the death of your siblings so that you can eat. He's up against Demolition Braid Guy, whose mom is there as well. Again? With the mom's guy? Seriously. Fight starts, and BJ is really impressed by Russia's judo, judo there, as Russian Anton Benson grabs a superb armbar. On deck, Brain Aneurysm Guy tells us he tried out for Tough 17, him as well, and lost against Dylan Andrews. He's in good company, though. He fights Serbian Guy, who's more concerned about getting it in with his hot tennis girlfriend than giving any real backstory from the sidelines bj sees a guy shaved head and he found his new joe lozan well certainly he's got lozan's winning streak tim williams enters the house meanwhile serbian guy still has a hot girlfriend Moving on, beach blonde hair dude takes on a beast of a guy in Eddie Gordon and lives to tell the tale. Eddie makes his way into the house and into the hearts of both Frankie and BJ. Ah, shit, now these fights are just starting to go really, really fast. They don't even give a shit about backstory anymore. The next guy's bipolar. Okay, that's cool. He says in a low, monotone voice, fighting gives me a routine to get through all of the darkness in life. Bipolar dude takes on Hillbilly Harpthrob, a guy who disarmed mines in the army, who figured he wouldn't mention he was trying out for the show to his wife. 
It's a slugfest. It's Hillberry Hot Throb. Josh Clark makes it into the house via armbar. Let's hope he's good at defusing the ticking time bomb of a wife he left at home. Next fight features a dude who, shock, is proud to be from Boston, fighting a dude who wears bunny ears. Yes, you did not hear that wrong. A fighter who wears bunny ears. That's his thing. Oh, and you bet your ass there is a sweet backstory. Bunny ear dude talking head. My mother was a polar bear. No, wait, there's more. Dana tells his, the kid some kind of savant and that he feels uncomfortable without his ears. I find the human spirit so fascinating in mind. The brain or the medulla oblongata is such a wonderful mechanism. Blah, blah, blah. Dude, I can't even believe I'm saying this. But dude from Boston, please knock this guy the fuck out. Oh, I'll take a crazy transitional Kimura. That's fine. Thanks, Patrick Walsh. Even Dana's happy about it. Hey, put your fucking polar barriers on and get back to the lab with your buddy. Evil Dana grin. Red bandana has freckles. Says it made him a fighter. Do we have a running statistic on how many people became fighters because of freckles? And we have my favorite talking head guy up next who tells his parents, hopefully you won't hear from me anytime soon. So, you know, I made it into the show. I don't think anyone wants this as much as me. The fight goes on and ends very quickly when Hope I Don't Talk to You Soon, Mom and Dad, Matt Van Buren drops Red Bandana Dude with some vicious elbows. Herb Dean was the only one who saw a good thing because no one else saw that Bandana was out. Yoked out Charlie Brownface drops a bomb on us when he says he's fighting a fight life that isn't lucrative hmm and he's up against kind of kanye west looking dude they've got history more performance highlights take a drink and according to frankie edgar Corey anderson's cardio got him into the house the next fighter features a white skinny kid who grew up in a bad mexican neighborhood and give me a second to see if i'm reading this right ah yes denver colorado a notorious haven for Mexican gangbangers. Well, hopefully his experience fighting brown people helps because he's fighting another brownish-looking dude in Douglas Lima's little brother, Diego, who performance highlights his way into the house. And now we have a guy who looks like he's come from France, who looks like he's a snooty waiter in a Pixar film. What are the odds that he knows George St. Pierre? Yep, he does. And he's fighting a lanky dude who looks like a drummer from your favorite 90s grunge band. Nonetheless, the French dude and the grunge band dude give us a war. BJ Penn calls out requests, flying knee, and declares, who even falls for the single leg anymore? Am I right? Are we going to the third? We going to the third? We're going to the third, everybody! Oh shit, it's a knee bar. French dude somehow survives. It goes to a decision with everyone on their feet applauding, lamenting how sad it is they both won't get into the house. But today, Mike King advances. Decision time, which goes super fast. And now we're at team picking. Dana tells Cathal, you fucking lucky Irish bastard. You're in the house with no scars and not banged up. But the good news is you're Irish, so you probably already came to the house like that anyway. Dana tells everyone about the contracts and the Harley Davidson, which now looks like news to BJ Penn, who has a look that says, hey, maybe I'm going to try to coach and win this thing now. Blah, 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 coin fit, uh, weight classes. Edgar picks the first guy, and it's the scary black dude at 205. So that means they're up first. To counter, BJ asks the Russian guy, Hey, Russian guy, you want to win the ultimate fighter? Oh, yeah, dude, that's why I'm here. I thought that's the whole point. Anyway, they pick the rest of the 205ers, and BJ tries the old, Hey, Frankie, you want to just split the red and blue tearing jerseys up middleweight trick? Dana has no time for this nonsense. You sit the fuck down, BJ. This isn't season five again. Picks are made, and we have our first fight. BJ tells the Irish didn't fight Guy Carthel. He's fighting first, but apparently forgets he also has to decide who else is fighting. He's been on the show before, right? He knows how this works. BJ asks the crew, hey, who do you want him to fight? And they settle upon the Mexican wrestler. Congratulations. This season on The Ultimate Fighter, I ain't saying shit to nobody. I'm just cooking my food. Mark Coleman wants to see people throw up. Tempers flare. Black guy don't give a fuck. Some dude's naked on a couch and gets slapped by an... The other dude on the ass. That's weird. And Dana says something is completely crazy and unlike anything he's ever seen before for the millionth time all this season on The Ultimate Fighter. Wow, Raph, did you sleep since The Ultimate Fighter happened? 
I, I, I don't, I've been on edge. Since. That was shocking. That was good. If you saw the Ultimate Fighter, um, well, you would probably prefer Rap's version because <laughs> it didn't have the annoying highlights. Fuck you. Um, lights. No one likes you. The Serbian makeout situation with the tennis girl. I knew he wasn't getting into the house based solely on how much time was spent filming that makeout. It's it is always the worst leading editing trick where they go, "Hey viewers, this guy's not getting in because he's getting it in." And you know they were pissed. Like the production crew was just like, "Fuck, yeah." Serbian tennis girl had potential, and yeah. now they're screwed. But other, I mean, beautiful work. May I ask you one question? Yes, sir. Are you ever really shocked by the amount of public bullying Dana does? No. Um, I can't tell if I welcome it or if I've just become desensitized to it. He needs to call you immediately. Be like, number one, I want you to just help out with the Ultimate Fighter. <laughs> number two, do you mind dinging a bell every time I make a comment that's over a five on the absurdity meter? Which of those comments do you feel was – I can't even tell anymore, Kevin. I'm so deep in it now. I just – I don't know what's – I thought the way they were talking about the bunny ears was like borderline – feel free to ask questions or be inquisitive. Or be at least creative in how you joke about it. But just the weird, just the put those fucking bunny ears and get the fuck back out of here. It's just like, are you, why are you bullying him? Like, you just lost. I don't know. No need to do that. I mean, to be honest, I didn't, I I can never tell who's at fault in those (laughs) moments. I can't tell if it's the the show, the producers, Dana White. Because when I watched it, I saw bunny ears and I go, oh, fuck you, bunny ears. But if I were a producer, I'd probably have you at least make it to fighting. If you were on screen, I'm not a thousand percent sure you would just utter out your first thoughts. That's me. That's just me guessing because I've seen you perform before. Mm. And uh, you tend not to bully people <laughs> that you disagree with. Regardless, Rap, that was an exquisite review of The Ultimate Thank Fighter. You. Thank you. It's going to be like this. All- and to do it in one minute like that. Wow. I, you know. I the thing is is that I like to think that when I'm performing, time just stands still. Does it feel like I, that to you? I think everyone feels that way. Oh, thank yeah. you. Speaking of time standing still, we just because that was such a beautiful, quick, very quick one minute review. Super I thought quick. that was impressive. I thought you thank did everything you to do, but thankfully you did it in such a truncated timetable that we have all this time to go talk to uh, James Coe and find out who won over under Kevin. Oh, yeah. That'll be fun, right? I doubt it, but we'll also review a little (laughs) UFC 172. Um, And it's a jam-packed podcast because, like we said, Brandon McCathen's coming on later. Let's, um, Let's get to it. Let's do it. Woo! All right. Everybody, I know that you are just clamoring to figure out what happened between uh, Kevin and, and, and James on last week's edition of Over Under Kevin. So that's why we decided we were going to bring back on again James Deco. James, how are you doing tonight? Doing great. This is like breaking news over here. This is like breaking news. I know. <laughs> we have so many tricks that we do here. We you don't have the pressure of a live mockery podcast. tone. 
No, I understand. No, it was indignant, and I can already feel it. I can feel his energy. Kevin, shut up. Here's what you have to do. You just have to ignore it and keep moving on. If there's anything I've learned from James D. Coe's reporting skills, it's that when you mess up, you just don't tell the audience and you keep going. Wow, that's basically – that's the best backhanded compliment ever. That's basically saying when James messes up, I've learned to just keep moving on. Did I mention I also – I also learned journalism as well. This is where all these skills come from. We speak the same language. I hear uh, that. I hear that. So, James, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm multitasking like a mofo right now. So my daughter just woke up from her nap. Um, I'm just putting some toys in front of her, hoping she uh, kind of just chills out for a second. I've got a pork shoulder going on in my slow cooker right now. Oh. And I just cracked open um, a nice little Michael Brew IPA. That I'm working on right now. He's I'm glad also that... tutoring a small village yeah, in Somalia <laughs> on their immigration status and the the tests that they might have to question. There's exactly. a baby dolphin being delivered shortly. He's going to just recess it, <laughs> send it back to the to the zoo. I want to acknowledge Kevin's uh, not happy that's going on in his voice, but I also want to say it takes a real father to say I'm going to have a brew and also dangle some toys in front of my daughter like she's a cat. While cooking, basically, yes. Dude, listen, babies are like small animals, man. I mean, that's the truth. I mean, seriously. Anyone who says otherwise is is just not being honest. I mean, they're like small animals, dude. It's like, okay, they 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 poop wherever they want. You got to feed them. They can't feed themselves. You know what I mean? It's just like, all right, great. This is this is fab. It's like basically like owning a very small um, animal. It's very true. I I want to acknowledge this, Kevin. Where are you at mentally right now? I'm not in like a great place because I know I didn't do awesome. The Spanish teacher <laughs> failed me. Uh, touchy feely <laughs> made me scream. I picked touchy feely at a party, which was not as good as touchy feely one, um, and it didn't go great. Just so everyone, I'm I'm nervous. Okay, it, it sounds Tim like Elliott. you're in a dark place, Kev. It really does. Tim Roche, um, who could yeah. have seen that coming? Uh, yeah, who well, who could James- have? James did. Who could have? What, what Asian person could have seen that coming? Oh what Asian person could have seen that coming? I'm going to stop you. Like, celebrate your win, but don't let everybody know this. The city train is still running from the last episode that you were doing, James. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, like, I listened to these podcasts, like, once or twice, and then I was just like, yeah. All right, let's see what happens. Was I was I wrong for calling him out? Nope, he definitely started with an African American gentleman, <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, this man is he's got a way of of acknowledging. Good luck in the NFL. That's all I can say. Right, right, uh, right. But yeah, James, now you're alluding to something here, and and Kevin doesn't know the results, and and I think you do. Do you know who won this game between you and Kevin? I mean, I, I didn't really have to look too far, only because I was. Uh, I think I was almost perfect in my picks, and no. uh, and I, I and I know I had picked a couple different ones than Kevin that uh, that were really not not a surprise. Interesting. Mostly you... the Spanish teacher and and the barbarian <laughs> really let Kevin down. I'm really fascinated down. because most people when they come on back here, they don't take the time to write down who actually they picked. Did you do that? Did you listen to the podcast again and and try and figure out who you picked, or were you writing it down as we were going? No, not really. I mean, like I said, it's not. It's not like I'm. I'm it's not like I'm doing it for show. I actually remember who I picked because 
you know, I, I like the I like the card. The card was from top to bottom a really really strong card. Even from the prelim fights, man, I was like, this is holy true. cow! They've really put together something good here. All right, um, I feel we've been we've been handling this for a little while, and it, it really is best just to rip the bandaid off as quickly as possible. So I'm going to go ahead and reveal that yes, Kevin, you are the father. So, um. <sighs> How do I put it this way, Kevin? Um, let me let me see if I'm because I really want to make sure I'm doing. It hurts this right. as much as you can think, Raph. It's okay. still every time. I would like to point out that off air, Kevin was trying to justify how many of the picks he got right, and sure. his recall was terrible. <laughs> like the the picks Kevin thought that he made. He was, I don't know if he was talking himself into thinking he picked the right ones or if he just couldn't recall exactly how he went down the card line, but it was, it was hard to stomach. James, let me ask you a question. Cause you're a logical man. Wouldn't okay. just the sheer law of big numbers say I would have won one of these. Um, yes, absolutely. And why couldn't it's like, this it's be like, that it's like betting, It's like betting red every single time at the roulette table, you know, <laughs> at some point. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're gonna get one of these things. You know it what I mean? feels a lot like that. Okay, Kev, do you know how many you did get right? Um, negative three. No, I think I got three right. How many well, fights total were there, Ken? Okay, we should acknowledge there were ten fights, and the disadvantage of doing this podcast the day before we found out all of the nonsense. So there was one fight that got canceled. Uh, well, actually, two. If you're really being uh, technical. Yancey Medeiros and Jill Ellenberger, that whole thing went away, as did Jim Miller versus Bobby Green. So it became Jim Miller versus Nancy Medeiros. The important thing about this for you guys is you picked the same people on both of those fights. So it dropped down to just 10 fights. Uh, and since you guys picked both there, it just was out of nine. Uh, Kevin, do you know how many you got out of nine? So it sounds like there's an asterisk next to this, if I'm hearing you correctly. Oh, I, you know, I was hoping that you guys would tie early in the card. <laughs> that was not close. Kevin, just tell, entertain me. You, you, how, how many okay. numbers do you seriously think you got right? I know I picked Jones. Mm-hmm. And I know I picked uh, the real deal Beal. Yes. And then I figured I thought I picked Takagori Nomi. You did not. Okay, good. Okay, perfect. Here's the important thing. You definitely <laughs> now have pinpointed the two that you got right out of nine, which um, wasn't enough to capitalize the not close to perfect, but better than you. Six out of nine predictions as done by James Dito. Where did I get six out of nine? Six out of nine, my friend. That is pretty solid. That's 66%. That and in most educational systems here in America, that's a passing grade. Yeah. Right, exactly. I went to Cal, so that's that's totally acceptable. <laughs> I mean, public university, it's like, oh, yeah, 66%. Oh, you're good. I, you I know, do have to ask you this, though, James. Do you have anything that you want to take back? Like a pick? Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody saw Phil Davis uh, getting dominated the way he did against Anthony Johnson, that's for sure. Except, do you remember when I asked you, are we overlooking rumble johnson in this fight and both of you pish posh the question well this is james fault for agreeing with me obviously <laughs> i mean i don't know how i could have known anything about the fights i was shocked 
Phil Davis, and I guess we were we're going to get to the cards. Raff, are you saying you predicted that that was going to happen? I said the two of you were overlooking him because here's the thing: not only oh, was he able to have to overlooking what happened a smidge too. James, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's a power difference, and knowing that a wrestler is going to have something there to the extent of that. There wasn't a fight that was happening that night. There was a man running away from dying in that cage <laughs> between Johnson <laughs> and Davis. And I was scared for Davis. That's how awkward it transcended midway through fight. Like after the first few hits where it's like it's that movie where it's like nothing's affecting him. Run! That's all he could do. And it was terrible. I mean, you know, the, this, this was the crazy thing. Like we saw Charlie Brennan on the uh, on the undercard. Mm-hmm. Anthony Johnson fought Charlie Brenneman. Mm-hmm. That is insane. You look at the size of those two guys. I mean, Charlie Brenneman <laughs> dropped down to 155, and he looks small at 155. Okay. <laughs> Anthony Johnson is fighting at light heavyweight. He looked like a house next to yeah. Phil Davis, who's not a small man, by the way. Phil no, Davis is a is huge not. guy, and Anthony Johnson looked like a brick house next to that guy. Yeah. Have the and, drug tests come back? Has all that come back? We're waiting on that, Kevin. Yes, let's, I'm just let's saying, wait for if, that. Oh, James, I will scream. Oh, wait, that wouldn't help me at all. Never mind. No, Retract no. what I was about to say. You two picked the same one on that one. Yeah, uh, yep, I remember that. I just note the note of that. <laughs> Kevin, you had the most egregious of these selections. What, what would you like to take back? I would really like to take back, first of all, my accusation that James is against teachers. Okay. That feels a little preempted, especially since he lost. So I'm taking the Spaniard back. Okay, the Spaniard. That's a great one because... He got knocked out in the second round. And and you're bringing up a good point here. Um, how did he get knocked out? Was it as violent as James predicted? It felt a lot like... Uh, and I don't know if James just has sound effects for what the uh, Brennan <laughs> or the Spaniard would have been going through, but that's about probably what it sounded like. Uh, yeah, it did hurt that James predicted stunningly accurately how quickly that would happen. And I, I was actually I was actually disappointed that it went yeah. into the second round. Granted, it only wow. took like five or six yeah. seconds in the second round, but I was still disappointed that it went into the second round. Did the yeah, slow mo the of the hair make you happy though? Uh, yeah, I mean, how could it not? I mean, absolutely. Um, I thought, I thought, I thought it was going to be a wig. I mean, it was moving around so much. I thought, I thought the hair was going to come off. I like we we just started using Vine and Instagram, so plug for us, Verbal Tapcast, if you guys want to go do that. But I was so compelled to actually make a Vine to say how accurate your prediction was of his hair, and it's just the slow mo reaction of his hair tussling as he's being knocked out and i was like man james really hit that one on the head so kudos to you man actually dan castillo really hit that one on the head well yes but yeah yeah we're trying to give yeah, you some credit twist here the father of the year twist the knife. <laughs> uh who who impressed you guys the most on this card i mean it has to be anthony johnson right i mean uh, how could it okay. be anybody else okay kev I think the real deal Beal is showing because I saw most of the undercard. I did not see the most. <laughs> I think the real deal <laughs> Beal is showing Tough wasn't as big a like. I remember his perception on Tough was a little off, and he he won pretty convincingly. I was impressed by his performance. Now, are you guys both admitting that you overlooked him as well? Because there was a moment when Kevin said we were spending too much time covering that. 
There was, I still agree to that part, by the way. I'm not acquiescing. We spent a lot of time talking about that fight. But well, even just... even as we're talking about it now, I still don't know who he fought. <laughs> who did he fight? <laughs> Stubborn oh, is, is James D. Coe this evening. Yeah. Uh, James, okay, so I'm getting here. Kevin, you did not see the main fights then, yes? No, I did not. All right, let me talk to somebody who did. Uh, James... <laughs> What was your perception of the main fight between John Jones and Glover? John Jones is an artist, man. I mean, honestly, um, what he's able to do in there, he, he was talking about that, that elbow crank uh, that injured Glover in that first round. I thought it was, it was, when I first saw it, I thought he was going for an inverted arm bar or something, like mm-hmm. a standing inverted arm bar or something like that. It was crazy. And, um, and obviously that sapped a lot of power from Glover because he said he injured his shoulder in the very first round. I will say this, man. Glover, oh, my goodness. That dude is tough as nails, man. That guy was getting beat up. Um, he was getting outclassed, uh, certainly in the in the championship rounds. And he just kept on trucking, man. He just kept piling forward. He's still looking for that knockout even in that fifth round. And, and you've got to keep your cap to that guy. He is as tough as they come. I, I really want to go in on this as well. Um, I'll do twofold here. The first being uh, Coach Greg Jackson definitely pulled John Jones aside and told him, this is the quote, you're doing an amazing artistic fight. It's truly something to behold, uh, which I thought Kevin would enjoy. Uh, it's a John Jones but, mid-round. By, by the way, it, it's like those two guys were made for each other. They're both it's like true. these like pseudo-philosopher types, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, that are, are that talk in this weird philosophical language you know what i'm saying yeah. that like normal athletes actually normal people don't talk yeah, they don't but they know. seem to vibe with each other it's weird to be fair i do go up to kevin every once in a while in between uh podcast sessions and say kevin find your waterfall he does it's weird find it. every time uh i, I will normal. say this as well i was so convinced during this that there is a john jones origin story where he discovered the power of his elbows that we just haven't seen yet <laughs> It was like Thor or yeah. a sword in the stone type moment. Oh, he yeah. Like had to break up a brick to rescue <laughs> half his family. And he was like, mm-hmm. I can do this. <laughs> but cool. uh, I, I thought, you know, he was he was so excellent. Like his elbows reached a new status of use, if that's a thing, because there was definitely a moment that I think you could see and back me up here. If you think this is true, James, that you see the fight lost in Glover's eyes when he realizes he can't punch the shit out of this guy anymore. Uh, I think there's a big part of that for sure. Um, but I will say, that, you know, what did you guys make of, um, uh, or Rath, what did you make of, of the, the hand in the face? I was actually surprised the, the uh, official didn't take a point from John because he just kept going back around. to it over and over and over again. I mean, at some point that's, that is not, I mean, I, I won't say it's illegal, but it's definitely not within the spirit of the rules. You know what I mean? I think you're 100% right here. And guess who also agrees with you? Uh, the entire Brazilian nation? I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Dana White, right uh, after in the press conference. And this is why I, I agree with you. And I also think it's one of those ones where you have your star doing it. There isn't really much of a change that happens. Because Dana White goes into the press conference and goes, you know, those, we got to do something about those fucking hands. Yeah, should we have? I mean, it's fucking John Jones. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Like, that was kind of his reaction to that whole process. But Joe Rogan was calling him out on it. I think anybody who logically is watching the fight and sees that happening is going, that's not right. But yet, nothing was done about it. 
Well, saying. because it's not against the rules. I mean, that's the problem. You know what I mean? And there's nothing in the rule book that says that. But again, I think what it was so it was so egregious that I think everyone knew that it's not in the spirit of the rules. And that's kind of where, even though it's not illegal, there is a wide discrepancy that the, the official can take uh, and basically say, "Listen, if it happens again, we're taking a point." I'm surprised Glover didn't gain it. Quite honestly, if sure. if John is going to play those games, Glover should have played those games as well. He should have pretended to get poked in the eye and, <laughs> and force the official to take a point. Don't you think? Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, that's a that's a bold strategy you're you're proposing here, and one that signals to me: never fight James D. Co. because he will cheat his way out of the fight. He's oh, willing no to question. fight dirty. Are you kidding me? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, to- I'm totally down. If I'm going to fight, I'm, I'm, I'm about to go nard somebody for sure. <laughs> you know, the best part about this to me is I I think you're right. It's in the spirit of it's not an official rule, but I think once it crosses over when he did poke him in the eye, uh, I think that's where it gets in there. And I, I, the ref was even telling him several times, like, hey, dude, like for real, but but really don't poke him in the eye. Don't do that anymore. Jones has a history of this stuff with the face, too, because he spent a lot of matches trying to cover people's mouths. Mm-hmm. He's constantly trying to do that shit. It bothers me every time. Yeah. That's an old Matt Hughes trick, though. I mean, that, yeah. that's been around for a long time. I mean, that's that's almost impossible to legislate out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Man. I mean, we, we God, James, we learned so much about you every single time. We learned last time you were a racist. This time book. we learned you're yeah. a cheater. God, I feel you're just going to... Admit to co- killing people in our next podcast. Though, together. point of clarification, he was also accused of being against teachers, and that was rescinded. So let's just remember. <laughs> uh, you know, I think there's evidence out there that we can prove it. We just haven't found it yet, Kevin. Uh, volleyball match of morality. Can I ask, though, um, James, was there anything like that you saw in because they had performance of the night uh, go to Valley Flag, your buddy? Yeah. And go me. There you go. And uh, he definitely got, I mean, he was paid per punch, I think, that he took. Holy cow. Yeah, he's, he's, he's another tough guy. Good Lord. Yeah. I picked Valley Flag. Um, you did not. Or, no, you picked Valley Flag, but he yeah. took home a bonus. He did not well, Good for one of us, then. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I would also like to ask, was there anything else on the main card that you saw, James, that really stuck out to you? Um, I, again, it's just the size of Anthony Johnson. I, I couldn't believe how big that dude was. I really like to see him get in there with a, with another top flight uh, light heavyweight. I think Ryan Bader would be somebody I'd really like to see him go up against, uh, yeah. just to kind of see if this guy's for reals or or you know was this just kind of a fluke one off, you know? But um, uh, or heck, you know, I, I know Vitor Belfort doesn't necessarily you know fight in that weight class, but maybe a rematch between Anthony Johnson yeah. and, and Vitor Belfort is something that's nice. also kind of interesting as well. But you know, again, that's that's if Vitor Belfort loses another fight and it's kind of out of that middleweight uh, title contention, or loses you know his I mean? TRT or his Dino Juice, I guess. Dino yes. Juice, there there <laughs> is that as well. Have you, you know, considered using that with your daughter, James? I'm just saying, like, to give her a competitive edge at, like, uh, the walking game? Start crawling like crazy? <laughs> uh, listen, if I, again, if I'm willing to nard somebody to win a fight, <laughs> you know, Dino Juice and PRT is real. I'm not tripping on that. You know what I mean? 
I'm yeah, just nervous absolutely. that if she gets too loud, you're going to put your hand over her mouth as well. <laughs> the Joe's like, method. Here's a little trick I learned from Matt Hughes. <laughs> exactly. That probably doesn't work on babies. <laughs> just... No. I, I don't know about that. Kevin, we have to research that a little bit more. Uh, so, I will say – go ahead, Kev. I was just going to ask James because I know we have to let him go here in a minute. James, when would you like me to change my Twitter handle to – excuse me. I've, I've got it written down. Let me consult my notes. James Deco is a beast and you would – oh, you would like it hashtag with the beast mode. Right. Well, that um, would be the first tweet after the, the name change. Obviously. That would be perfect. <laughs> uh, if you could go ahead and do that ASAP, it would be much appreciated. Does tomorrow and, uh, 8.30 and, uh, a.m. Eastern time work? That I like it. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Perfect. All right. Uh, James, you are always such a great addition to this podcast. Every time you come in, I feel like we get classier, even as we probably bring you down to our level. Mm-hmm. Well, considering that I'm just letting my daughter cry right now, um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah uh, that might be accurate. This might be accurate. Well, my friend, we will be talking with you very soon. Kevin is is tragically sad. Do you have any uh, parting words for Kevin, maybe, that he can use for the next time he is doing over under Kevin? <laughs> Whatever you're picking, just go the exact opposite route, and you'll be A-OK, buddy. A-OK. I'm going to do it. You shut up. I'm doing it. <laughs> to be fair, you would have won that way. Pick the, Th- that's true. Up, that's also true. He would have had actually, seven instead of two. Pick the yeah, that would have been James Co. Is six Written yeah. down. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Well, James Eco, right. we are we are excited that you came back, and we will find a way to talk with you again very soon, my man. We hope everything. I like it, man. Anytime. Awesome. All right, my man. You have a great rest of your night. See ya. Always fun to have James Co on the podcast. Not quite as much fun when he's beating the shit out of me in UFC predictions, Raph. I beg to differ. <laughs> I thought you might, but we are going to wrap up our UFC 172 coverage from Baltimore, Maryland, with a little segment Raph and I like to call takeaways. Takeaways. Raph, would you mm-hmm. like to start us off? Of course. Uh, I'd like to start with one takeaway, which is takeaway. Focus on your current opponent. This may seem like it's an easy one, uh, but there was a nice moment in the post-presser where John Jones got to clown on Phil Davis. Why? Because Phil Davis was looking so past Anthony Rumble Johnson during all of the pre-conference stuff that he basically forgot the opponent at hand. And man, I don't know that Anthony Rumble Johnson is somebody you can do that to now. And even uh, Rumble went out of his way to say he wasn't bothered by it. He was just going to finish him in the ring, and now he gets to celebrate. So (laughs) let's just say this, folks. If you were a fighter, yeah, sure, talk your shit. But do focus on your same fight that's going on, because guess what, Kevin? Guess who also made that same mistake? Who's that? If I were to tell you Cormier was also trying to weasel his way into a fight against John Jones, even asking him to pull out, and I'm I'm trying to roughly paraphrase what he said here, but he just said, "Do you have a magic move in you left? You got to move like the president." And I'm not really sure DC really thought this one through, but I don't know what that means. 
I don't either. I, maybe he's referring okay. to President Obama's lame duck presidency, or I don't know. It's a, it's a very weird either. and convoluted metaphor that I was like, <laughs> get out of here. There's a lot of levels. This is your forte, DC. Sorry. But he's asking them on Fox Sports Live right after the fight. That's like, come on, man. And John Jones very deftly told him, you know, don't you have a fight coming up against Dan Henderson that maybe you should be thinking about a little bit more? And DC's like, come on, man. No, no, I know. I know. I am thinking about him. But I mean, can't you just make that move? Come on, man. And it got (laughs) really awkward. So focus on your current opponent. Oh, great, great takeaway, Raph. If anything, because it'll keep you from, you know, looking like Daniel Cormier. And he was probably doing that yelling voice that he always uses. Yeah, he's doing that yelling voice where a little bit of his country's coming through. But also, I I think he doesn't understand how a microphone functionally works. (laughs) Look, here's what I'm going to say about John Jones. Here's what I'm going to say. He just screams into the goddamn I just want to let you know, Chael Sonnen, that I can hear you. (laughs) That's a good one, too, because he does make super declarative statements that are just like, and I can see you. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, you're a professional I, fighter. Like, obviously, you can both this hear. Because I don't see know him. if people watch this show, but I think an un, <laughs> maybe an unreasonable uh, metaphor, but let's put it out there, is if you watch the show Parks and Recreation, he may be the desk commentaries version of Perd Happily. Perfect. Just think about that for a little while. Not quite as apathetic as I would like, but always willing to entertain a Perk Happily reference. I'm happy to... I'm welcoming it. Takeaways. The UFC no longer acknowledges Tito Ortiz. They showed that John Jones was now the... He's won the most fights at light heavyweight at 14. Hasn't he? Except Raph, as you pointed out, he's been very vocal about chasing down Tito Ortiz's record of 15. So one would wonder why the UFC posted him as the leader when Tito Ortiz still has 15. May I, may I interject here? Please. Do you, are you really wondering why? Uh, no, I guess I probably understand why. <laughs> There's probably a few things I could sum up that would make it why, but I, st- I find it you gave me two theories that I liked equally. One's that they hate him. The second is that they're just dumb. And it was like, oh, fuck. I hadn't considered the second Oh, it's probably that one. They probably just forgot about Ortiz. Because it's kind of like going to Kinko's and just try to get things like in before you can finish and going like, just get the graphic done. Get the graphic done. Hey, dude. Oh, shit. There's a typo on here. <laughs> but that's also assuming Data doesn't have a deep-seated hatred of someone who's worn a T-shirt that says, Dana White is my bitch. Now, when you're talking about Tito Ortiz, you have to consider the following. And this is why the first theory was brought up. I, I threw that at you where maybe they just forgot to put him on their shirt. But we all lean toward the idea, because it's funnier, that Dana probably got a graphic brought to him. And they're like... John Jones, right under Tito Ortiz. What do you think, Dana? And Dana's like, get that fucking piece of shit out of my face. <laughs> you delete that fucker off that fucking graphic because delete fuck him. him right now. Delete him or else he's going to get injured. I don't know why I said that, but he's a fucking douchebag. 
Yeah, so you're not helping clear up which one I think it is, just so you know. <laughs> it's a choose your own adventure. You've only further emphasized that both are pretty probable. <laughs> <if> <laughs> not... <laughs> okay, well, all right. Thanks, Raph. That's great. You're welcome. It's what I do. Uh, takeaways. Guillotines, Kev? Yeah. So hot right now. So hot right now. So hot right now. I'm going to keep working guillotines. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel I, I need to. I, I looked on there, and th- there was three guillotines that happened on this card, Kevin, and there were only really ten fights. So it, 30% Ooh. of the fights were finished via one submission. <laughs> and I have to say, it is pretty impressive when you watch those and you just go, oh, shit. And then fucking Luke Rockhold had to go ruin it for every fucking buddy. <laughs> because he saw that guillotines were happening. So you know what he submitted somebody by? What? He submitted Tim Bosch by fucking starting... God, I'm getting this all wrong, so work with me here, people. I think he was transitioning from a triangle, then decided, fuck that noise, still keeping it. Yeah, I think it was a reverse triangle that he then was bending the arm to get a Kimura going as well. So let's just call... Luke Rockholds, because I think they just landed on a fucking wheel that they spun, and they're like, boop, 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 Kimura? And (laughs) I think for him, I think the takeaway is, well, if you're going to finish by one submission the entire night, you're only inviting someone else to try and take away your submission of the night honors if we still had those, but we don't. That takes me to another takeaway. Don't go all in on Tim Bosch. (laughs) <laughs> a winning strategy. I'm so sad for you, Kevin. Was that the hardest one to watch lose? Yeah. Yeah. By a factor of 40. Yeah. Uh, did Like, did, just when you were seeing that was the case, did you have a moment where you just said, ah, why do we do a podcast? Why do I say things on air publicly? Without question. I pondered. Well, there was also where this was like, and why am I qualified to do so? Like, I'm making <laughs> idiotic choices. Like, I try to be a teacher about it. It's like, is it not just them, but me? Like, where is the problem in lying? And it's everywhere, Raph. Yeah. It's Real true. internal struggles on that mountain. Thank you. Uh, Takeaway. Always respect your opponent. Get this, Kev. Uh, Glover, while going to the hospital... Uh, was saying nice things, complimentary of John Jones. The next day, actually gets on and does like a little Instagram video or a little little clip and just speaks kindly of his opponent and said how good he was. I think it was the it's been called the classiest concession anybody's seen in recent memory. Wow, go Glover Teixeira. Yeah, they like that class. It's one of those, it's an odd quality that Dana White loves in a very ironic <laughs> turn of events. Mm-hmm. He loves classy fucking Fuck Tito Ortiz! Fuck him! You take him off that fucking graphic because I want to burn his fucking memory alive. And give me that box with all that pictures of us together. I'm putting that in the fucking... You just hurt me so bad. <laughs> Takeaways. The new thing to do is challenge Vitor Belfort. Yeah. Luke Rockhold's challenging Vitor Belfort? Why not? Why? What did he what did he say? 
he said he had some he'd like to re-get the win back that he had because if you remember he was kicked viciously by Vitor or yeah. by TRT we don't know by who hey. but uh, then he said also he put it out there um, he'd be open to fighting Michael Bisping because he has some business with Michael Bisping left unresolved what the fuck does that mean I don't know what the fuck that means. <laughs> they literally have a $40 bet, and they don't know what to do. He left the pool table without giving him his fucking money. Womp womp. He's like, we have the serious of business. <laughs> do you have any more takeaways? I think I have one more takeaway. That's what we're going to end on. All right. Takeaway. John Jones. If you don't want to talk about Alexander Gustafsson, maybe don't deflect every question you're given about Ooh, him. PR here's mistake. A, it's a huge problem, Kevin. We are crisis communication people here, so it, it hurts our ears when we hear nonsense like this. Kev, what is your estimation of John Jones's perception of Alexander Gustafsson? I think he knows he's the only one to come damn close, and he's certainly the only one that's ever walked out of the cage with John Jones that people said, I don't know. He's the only one. And do you think that would bug somebody of the caliber of uh, John Jones who wants to be remembered as the best of all time? John Jones is an egomaniac. You have to be. He wants it so bad. He wants it like Kobe wants a crack at Jordan. Like he just so badly. Oh, excuse me. LeBron. It's a different generation. There we go. (laughs) He wants it really badly. I'll say this. And this is the hard part is John Jones was working so hard to get people to like him again. Like he puts on whether you like him or not. Amazing matches. These great fights. And he has become polarizing because sometimes he says weird things like, after fighting Alexander Gustafsson, has nothing but respectful things to say about him. Then, maybe a couple weeks later, is like, nah, I definitely won that fight. Okay, sure, we can take that ride with you. Okay, Alexander Gustafsson's like, I want a rematch. John Jones goes, uh, I got some other people I gotta see first, but, uh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, we'll get to that. Then, when you get John Jones to respond to questions about Alexander Gustafsson, it seems to be digging under his skin so much that he just goes, I'm not answering questions about Alexander Gustafsson. Okay. That's where things get rough. That's when we know he's under your skin, buddy. Yeah. And all you have to do, and it's already said, Dana's already said, you are going to fight him. So these poor reporters who are just like, hey, man, tell me what's going to happen when you fight uh, Alexander Gustafsson. Do you feel like you can give him a good fight again? You just say, yeah, I'll fucking fight him again. Done. End of story. And if anything, when we like just to follow the narrative of that ego athlete, we like that athlete now. We like the honesty. Just be honest, John. Just say, I want to knock him the fuck out. I want to make a statement. Like, I, of course, I'm he's next. He's 15 because, you know, I really legitimately have to tie Tito Ortiz's record. (laughs) Let's do this. Let's fight. Yeah, I I agree with you. I don't don't duck the question. Don't say I'm not going to answer questions. Be like, we're going to have that discussion very soon and move on. Here's the last thing I'll say about this. This is the, the hardest thing to swallow because we could get it and we can all get behind the fact that it was a close fight when they fought the first time. Sure, he's the champ. You got to beat the champ. We understand all of those rules. But 
when you have a fight that close and John Jones is on record as saying, you know, I think he needs to be a little more humbled because Gustafsson's talking as if he won this fight. It's like, dude, when it's a really close match and some people think he should be champion. Yikes. I don't really think he's being unhumble <laughs> when he's making an assertion. He'd like to fight you again and he thinks he can beat you. So these are all factors that lead us to believe. Takeaway. John Jones, <laughs> don't think you can duck the question. You can, but it may lead us to all take in what's really going on. And you're definitely going to keep getting this type of scrutiny. Just those yep. big mistakes. We can't handle you it. You fight it yourself. That we hates. can't handle it. We can't handle it. Nope. That's takeaways, Raph. And fortunately, we have a really fun guest coming up. You want to go <laughs> talk to him? Yeah, let's do it. Verbal Tap fans, when Raph and I see something we both get uh, that we both just can't stop watching or listening to, we immediately have to have whoever created it on the podcast, which we did this evening. Raph, can you tell me where you first heard this? I'm going to introduce the guest, but then I would really like to hear the story. We have on the line um, owner and instructor of 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu out in North Alabama, but more importantly... Guitar player and lyricist creating hilarious songs with the jiu-jitsu community, we found out. Brandon McCatherine. Brandon, how are you doing this evening? I am fantastic, sir. How are you is a better question, I think. Doing great. <laughs> and we're talking to Brandon off air, and he's one of the most agreeable I people know. we've met in forever. He's got that I Alabama charm. started regretting booking him when I heard how nice he was to Kevin off air. I was like, no. I know. Uh, this is a bad choice. Uh, no, I, I heard about this song uh, from a friend of a friend, obviously jiu-jitsu people. And somebody, the way they put it out there is they put it on a Facebook status and it was so new, but I saw him put it out there and just say, I'm going to just leave this right here. And as soon as I saw that and I saw I dominated uh, Eddie, I just go, well, this can only be one thing. So please give it to me now. And it was really funny. <laughs> Now, I got to ask you, Brandon, what motivated you to write this song? Um, you, you want the truth or you want like... Yeah, something we want the truth. I was, <laughs> I was about to say, okay. I was like, yeah, we always opt for not truth on this show. <laughs> okay, well, look, I mean, it's however we're going to do this. We can spin it however we like. Um, I, don't, I don't know, like, anytime I'm going to write a song... It usually starts in my car. Mm -hmm. With I don't really listen to the radio that much, like sometimes sports radio, but I just turn the radio off and I'll just kind of sing to myself. And uh, so that's kind of how the like a melody got started, you know, but it didn't have any words. Um, and I have a problem to where like I'll try to write a serious song, like about, you know, something that matters to me. And then uh, with the good melody that I come up with, and it never works. It always turns into something ridiculous. And, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> that... Is ex I don't even I didn't even mean to write that. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I don't really have a good story. I'm sorry. It is about that. super catchy. Okay. <laughs> it's like yeah, I was no, I was singing I dominated Eddie for like I'd say three to four hours like intermixed. It was stuck in my head after I heard the song, but it's yeah, essentially it's parody. Brain age already. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's stuck. It's not going anywhere. 
<laughs> it's gonna be in there for a while. If you haven't yeah. seen it, it's called I Dominate Eddie. It's on YouTube. It's on SoundCloud. You can find it really easily. Um, it's got in parentheses the Gracie, the Gracie filter. And for those that didn't watch Meta Morris, first of all, stop listening now. Go watch the Bravo match as he takes on Gracie at Meta Morris. But you did a really good job parodying sort of what has been a jiu-jitsu community. Like the Gracies sort of skewed it when I say like uh, some of their coverage and the way they called it, like Gracie Mag. Um, and the song calls them out pretty well. My question is, do you do this a lot? Like, do you do this for friends and families? Do you, like, write call-out songs that kind of uh, challenge? Well, no, not call-out, just, just silly, you know, like dumb. Yeah, yeah. But, no, I'm not a very confrontational person, and I really didn't intend for anybody except, like, the other instructors within the Tenth Planet system to hear it <laughs> necessarily at first. <laughs> and so I just kind of wrote it with them in mind. So, like, like, I wrote it and recorded it, Unlike my computer speakers, I didn't even try to put it through, you know, like, like I have a little recording set up, but I didn't even use that. I just used the computer speaker. It took me like 90 minutes to two hours to do, like, start to finish. And so I didn't put a lot of work into it, you know. And so you can hear that in the quality of the recording. Like, I didn't even try to mix it or anything. It's just, well, there it is. I tried to just sing at level so I wouldn't have to mix it. One might say you were keeping it playful on your system settings. One might say that if one were so inclined. (laughs) (laughs) Well done, sir. Now I have to ask this because when we were talking, you know, you, you were so kind and so nice about it. Um, But I was, I was so interested to hear because you're, you're such a nice guy and, and we get that. What has the perception been from it? Like, have you gotten good notes? Have you gotten any bad notes from it? No, I haven't heard anything bad from anybody. Good. Um, yeah, no, not at all. Good. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. There's been no confrontation whatsoever. No, That's like just, I just want to know. Shocked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it will be now. Thanks a lot. That yeah. was. <laughs> now that we've provoked it, it's all us. I, the thing well, is, it's is like, mostly just really funny. Like it's really it's funny. Just, and, and you subscribe to the same school that Kevin and I do, which is sometimes jiu-jitsu needs to take a little bit of a step back and just have a good so sense of humor. That's right. Yes, exactly. That. It's always so fun to hear that. So let me ask you this. How did the reception go when you played it for your students or for the people that you know immediately around you? Follow-up question being, were they terrified that you could beat them up? <laughs> that I could beat them up personally? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> no, you are an instructor at jiu-jitsu. <laughs> so I'm just saying, yeah. like, it's a different thing to be like, yeah, what do you think of this song? Also, we're teaching Kimuras in about 10 minutes. Just remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little more time spent around me, and you'll quickly realize no one is, in, is intimidated by me whatsoever. <laughs> maybe 10 more minutes into the podcast, and that's going to come through. <laughs> 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 no. No, nobody's scared of me on any level, uh, rightfully so. Um, the the immediate reception was, oh, here's something else from Brandon uh, <laughs> about my friends and family. They couldn't care any less. Like, I learned to play guitar in the hopes that I would pick up a beautiful woman. Uh, you know, I'm a child learning to play guitar. I'm, I'm a loser. I'm a dork. I'm a nerd. I should... I should learn some kind of skill so I can procreate at some point. And so the guitar <laughs> seemed reasonable. That's a great but, choice, too. It really uh, is. But 
I ended up marrying a woman who couldn't care any less. She is beautiful, but she couldn't care any less about me playing the guitar. As a matter of fact, uh, she would prefer that I would just shut the door and leave her alone. (laughs) 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 So the immediate reaction was, oh, more. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Even if you don't know jujitsu, it's going to be stuck in your head. Like, the tune is really... The, like I said, the I dominated Eddie. Like I was singing it at the coffee maker at work. Someone just kind of looked at me like, what the hell is that? Like, oh, <laughs> never I think mind. Love it is my children. They won't shut up. I'm done with it, but they won't stop. That, so. <laughs> <laughs> that would make sense why I was also, I won't stop. Probably the <laughs> same, uh, yeah. same basic maturity level. <laughs> And the video is the other half. Now, did you do the YouTube video along with it? No, no, no. We All right, so um, I am a frequenter of the 10thplanetjj.com forum. Mm-hmm. I don't really do a lot of forums, but I do that one. I like that one. Um, it seems to be rather D-bag free um, for the most part. <laughs> um, and uh, there's a guy on there named Sean Marshall who does a lot of really funny videos. Like he just does weird stuff. Like he should be writing for a comedy show, like doing weird, like Tim and Eric kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, he did one called super Joe Rogan brothers. Oh my God. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Same guy. So anyway, he's just a guy that like, I've never even actually met him, but he, um, he does stuff like, so he took the song and, and made a video to it, which, uh, had stormtroopers dancing to a song that I created, which basically <laughs> means that I've reached the apex of my musical career. <laughs> it's it really, really, it's only downhill from here. Where else do you go after stormtroopers? <laughs> which was a uh, part of why I brought it up. The video is really good, and I love the stormtroopers part. Oh, yeah, God. you did. Of course, you did because you're a man. <laughs> you're made of meat you like the stormtroopers part that's mm. just a rule <laughs> uh, so we need when you to just come back and yell yeah. about ufc fights and his just talk about him in the accent we love oh, the alabama yeah. accent it's perfect i, I mean brandon when, when you see this though and you see somebody's interpretation of your work you're no longer the artist you've given over to somebody else. When you saw that piece of art created for you, complete with Stormtrooper breakdown dance, what was the first thing that went through your head? Uh, I felt like he reached inside my soul <laughs> and uh, pulled out all the most important parts and let them bear Because <laughs> I think the moment, like, first of all, Stormtroopers would definitely end. I said, this video has reached a new level. It was the Godzilla moment that I said, this is forever... <laughs> connected with amazing I don't, what, I don't know what that was there's a three headed dragon and there's Godzilla like doing jumping stomach punches I was I was pretty sure in my interpretation I could be wrong it was Godzilla celebrating a little premature so I didn't know if that was uh, like Paul where... Harris like Paul Harris on the fence mm-hmm. sort of exactly uh-huh. Uh, and so that that was my simple interpretation of it. But okay, Brandon, we we've heard that you you do Tenth Planet. Um, you are an instructor and owner of, of a Tenth Planet, correct? That is correct. Tenth Planet Jiu Jitsu in Decatur, Alabama. 
That's amazing. Uh, tell us how you got started, uh, not just with 10th Planet, but in jiu-jitsu in general. Um, I was fat, <laughs> and my wife was not interested in a fat husband. <laughs> so she said, hey, let's learn martial arts together. Because okay. uh, apparently she needed someone to protect her as well, <laughs> which I was not <laughs> prepared to do. So that's how I got originally started. I, <laughs> um, yeah, I just got started, like, actually training. I've been a fan of uh, martial arts for a long time. Both of my parents did traditional martial arts, and then, like, we used to gather around the local VHS player as children and watch um, recorded UFCs, you know. <laughs> and so I've liked it for a long time. And so when it's, okay, we're going to do something together, martial arts, all right, well, we're definitely going to learn jiu-jitsu. But there's no jiu-jitsu in North Alabama. Well, there is, but it's far from where I live, you know. Mm. So, and I have a, I had a real job. I have a jiu-jitsu job or a music job. I have real jobs where I have to be at work at certain times, which meant that I couldn't drive for two hours to go train somewhere, you know. Yeah. So uh, I just got to the got to the nearest place. Luckily, I landed at a place where the guy wasn't a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. His name is Jamie Webster. Hmm. Um, but he's a very good grappler. He was on that show, WMEC Masters. Do y'all remember that show? Yep. Well, he was the great wolf <laughs> on WMAC Masters. Yes. <laughs> so, go back and watch YouTube right now, and you'll see the man who birthed my martial arts career doing jumping wolf kicks on people. But he's a really, really great human being and an awesome martial artist. He's a good grappler, too. And so he just kind of he got me started and got show, and he was really open, you know, like, Go mm-hmm. learn from these people. Oh, you're interested in that? Here's this guy. He'll, he'll, you know, oh, yeah, you want to go learn from somebody else? Just make sure you bring back some information from me. So it, it wasn't like a real closed atmosphere, yeah. what, you know what I mean? What year so is this? I just got lucky. 2006, maybe, when I started training. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Like, when I for real started training, you know what I mean? Like, we're going to jump in. I've yeah. been trying to learn Americanos and triangles since I was a little kid, but I don't know what to do. So. <laughs> and Boston Crabs, mostly. <laughs> so it's 2006 and yep. when does it transition into 10th planet uh just slowly over time uh i just i went to a seminar that eddie was teaching down in the birmingham alabama area a couple of years later or i don't even know when it was maybe 2008 mm-hmm. and uh it might have been later than that even i'm not sure and i uh, just kind of started I liked what he was doing. I liked the ideas. I never liked the gi. I never liked training in it. It made me feel claustrophobic. And uh, so, anyway, I liked what he was doing. It made sense to me about clinching and keeping guys close, being defensive and offensive at the same time from your back with the rubber guard and the lockdown. So I just kind of started investigating it more and more. If he would get within 10 hours, I was going to drive, and I was going to be there on the weekend. So. I got That's my blue great. belt in Sherman, Texas on Valentine's weekend. Got my purple belt and uh, actually in Decatur. And then I got my brown belt in Gulf Shores, Alabama. So I've just been everywhere. Hmm. You know, just wherever I can see him, I'll go. I'll go to L.A. for a week or two every year. Bring him out here. That's, That's so great. Yeah. At what point were you deciding you were going to open up an affiliate of his? Um. I knew 
uh, probably within about three years that I had stumbled upon something that I wanted to do forever. And uh, so I probably started thinking about it sometime around there, like not maybe opening his affiliate, but doing something with the martial arts, you know. Mm. And uh, uh, once I once I really as I got more involved with Eddie and seeing what he's about, like not just his internet persona, but what he what he's really like. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a good person, man, and um, he cares about people. Like you hear people, well, you may not hear people say this, but in Alabama, <laughs> man, he'll give you the shirt off his back. Well, Eddie, I think, literally would give you the shirt off his back if he needed it. And so and he's just a good man. He's very uh, intelligent. He's very, he has a good system. If you don't like his system, it's, it is a system. It's a way of teaching. It's an interesting way of learning with the mnemonic devices and things like that. So uh, I knew pretty quickly that if I was going to do this, then I wanted to do something with Eddie. Kev, hmm. you go. That's amazing. I'm I'm impressed by the idea. If you could pinpoint, because I I don't have much experience. I'm on the East Coast. I'm in D.C. now. I'm from Kansas originally. I don't get to see a, a ton of the Tenth Planet style. If you could maybe sum up like a few places where you see a big fundamental turn, something that attracted you to it. Anything that sort of comes out as a highlight? Yes. Yes. Uh, the lockdown was my favorite right mm-hmm. away. The half guard system that we play. Um, because, you know, like when you first start draft, like what what rank are you guys? I'm not blue belt, I guess. Blue belt, how long have you been training? About two and a half years, somewhere in that number, coming up on two and a half. What about you? I am a non existent belt. No, I'm Perfect. I'm a... <laughs> um, well, um, so you know how in the beginning when you're training, it doesn't matter what you think you know, you're going to get your guard passed a lot, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to get your guard blown straight through. And so what you start to see is the half guard popping up over and over again, and it gets blown through too. But I spent in the beginning a lot more time getting my guard passed than playing my guard, right? Yeah. And getting your guard, not, not necessarily having, like having your opponent all the way past your guard, but kind of trying to fight and hold on to the guard. That's where most of the battle would be. And I would always lose, but I would find myself with this dude's leg trapped, right? That's mm, half guard. Yeah. Well, here's this guy that's going to teach me how to hold on to that leg really tight and pray. Okay. Oh, and he's got some tricks from here, too, to keep me from getting smashed into the dirt. That sounds interesting. So I just ended up really getting getting excited about the half guard, and uh, particularly the lockdown. And probably just because I came across his book first, to tell you the truth, or, you know, his <laughs> system first. Well, and you started jiu-jitsu in 2006, which most people that have been following jiu-jitsu, I mean, you know, like, it, it was entirely different. I mean, the landscape has completely changed and it's exploded. So in 2006, in those yes. times, like, the information and was much fewer and farther between. Even be- even in the last two years, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're 30 to 40 years behind out here, I would say. Uh, maybe some, some sort of hyperbole there, but we're pretty far behind. <laughs> But, you know, really in the last two years, it's been a giant explosion, particularly for the 10th planet system. So, yeah, there's a lot more information than there's ever been, for sure. I mean, I remember when I was living in Kentucky around that similar time, I was looking for places to try and train out there, and it was just slim pickings. But now you look at some of those areas, and you've seen things pop up. And I'm sure much like what you were doing out in Alabama, you know, you you become what people – are happy to see like they want those things to exist 
yeah, it's weird because like I never pictured this as my my life path. I always knew I wanted to help people, um, I, I, but I don't, you know, I didn't ever think I'd be doing it by teaching them how to wrestle and fight on the ground. You know what I mean? Yeah. I always knew I wanted to teach. I wanted to help, and I wanted to like give. You know what I mean? But it just, I don't know, it's weird where life takes you. I do have to ask though. So obviously, this was in reference to the fact that you were watching Metamorris, um, you know, what was your Metamorris watching ritual? And I think it's a nice transition because you mentioned your favorite position was lockdown. So that kind of appeared. In yeah, that it was there a little. You had to really pay attention to catch yeah. it. If you yeah, were looking um, and you know what to look for. So. <laughs> yeah. If you know what to look for, you'll notice there was a part where he grabbed his ankle. Did y'all see that part? <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, it's, you know, it's, you probably didn't see it. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, missed it. You know, it was weird. I was covering it live, and I was just like, "What's what oh, are you they got to be doing? there?" Yes, I did. Yeah. I was covering oh, it for the podcast gosh. here. I didn't get to go. I'm sad. You know what, dude? I, a lot of people didn't, and a lot of that was by design, of course. I'm sure you know all that. But yeah. I'll, I'll tell you this much: even though I was there, everybody was standing up. So much to the point because it was all level surface. Everybody was looking at a screen, so you might as well have just been watching it on TV. Yeah, well, we had a pretty good viewing experience, man. We went to Buffalo Wild Wings, and they had it up on seven TVs. Like they had us in a private room in the back. And That's all so of our, cool. Yeah, it was really cool, man. They had it on the sign out front, like we're going to watch Metamorphs Three at Buffalo Wild Wings. Holy but then we didn't shit. let anybody in because we were in a private room, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Yeah, we don't have much to do out here. So. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you guys were probably like one of the few people in the country that got to watch it in a bar, though. That's what but that's what I'm about to say. I mean, this is kind of the thing that we're always talking about whenever we want jiu-jitsu to become bigger and make those steps. I- I've never heard of people watching jiu-jitsu at a Buffalo Wild Wings. So well, we I had take like this... 40 people piled in that bad boy. So they were that's more than awesome. happy to have us. <laughs> no oh, shit. That's yeah, that's a smart here. job on everybody's being... part. them for hosting it you guys for making it happen that's that's great so okay we we start seeing the first few minutes of a match you obviously have a dog in this fight what was your perception as you were watching things happen if you've ever rolled with eddie or you've ever paid attention to anything that he does like on his mastering system web series at 10th planet jj.com it's only 4.99 a month by the way you can sign up um you pay attention to anything he does, you know he's going to pull quarter guard on yeah. the right leg. You know he's going to go after the right leg. For sure, that's what he's going to do. And so what does he do? He comes out, he kind of does this weird hand thing, and boom, he shoots and he grabs the leg, which he calls the black mamba. It's like, damn, once I hold on to that ankle, it's like a little trap. You know, you're not going nowhere. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the battle is going to be fought, which is an interesting battle considering he's dealing with maybe the greatest half-guard passer in the history of jiu-jitsu. So it's strength on strength, which I thought was fascinating, just like the first match. Just like the first match. Absolutely. As he started to have a ton of success, what was the mood like in your watch room? What were people... (laughs) Being from Kansas, I know how rowdy it was. It was really, really tense in the beginning. Until Eddie got the underhook. Once he got the mm. he got the lockdown and he's got the underhook, uh, I knew that Horler was in the trap, man. And if you've ever been in Eddie's half guard, you know that's he's gonna get the electric chair. That's what he does. Mm. So 
I mean, that's his thing, man. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, Roy Nelson's gonna come out and try to throw his right hand. That's all he's gonna. Yeah. That's all he's gonna do. He might. He might lay on you, but, but it'll only be half of the right hand. <laughs> you, know, you know, Dan Anderson's gonna whip his left leg and then throw the right hand. That's the H bomb. He's got more than just the H bomb. He's got like the lowercase H bomb. <laughs> he's got the damper sand. Me, man, like he he frustrates me because he's so good and he's so well rounded, but he won't do other stuff, man. It's um, it's tough. We, it's... Let's don't talk about that. Yeah, it, that's okay. frustrating. Anytime a guy I was about is so single minded. <laughs> I just love that he came on this show to get sad toward this part of the broadcast. But let's say this, you know, as we transition back to Meta Morris, what do you feel your contribution was with this song now? Do you feel like you sat there and you just go, man, yeah, that was how I felt about Meta Morris. And follow-up question, has Eddie heard the song and what does he think of it? Oh, yeah, he heard it. (laughs) He's the first person I sent it to. And uh, he just, he, all he said was, if we put the right video on this, this is going to go viral. <laughs> so, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it went viral. I don't know if enough people practice jujitsu to make it viral. but <laughs> You'll but be it, shocked. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think um, people might. If anything, just because the tune. Again, people respect a catchy tune. It really. <laughs> that's true, man. Like, you don't even have to, uh, you know. It doesn't even matter who you are if the song is good. Like, you could be Michael Jackson raping little kids, and if the song is good, you're going to listen to it. Yeah, people are willing yep. to buy that record. Yep. <laughs> well, you were saying that um, as we as we start to wrap, Eddie's coming to do a seminar with you here on June 14th? Yeah, well, in Decatur, Alabama on June 14th, yeah. Really? So, uh, is this yep. going to be at your 10th jiu-jitsu, I'm assuming? Yes, at our gym. It's uh, we're located at a uh, Bender's gym, so we have a, like a 24-hour facility, and then we're on the inside there. So we got like fingerprint access and saunas and the whole works. It's, uh, what? We got an awesome yeah. setup. Yeah, it's, like, it's great, come... man. Yeah, we, we like, were in the back like... of a karate school for years, and we just huh. you work hard and you start growing and you treat people like you love them, and good things happen for you, man. I know, man, but you're you're starting to make us jealous. A 24-hour facility, plus you can go to <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings, rent out an entire right room where you get to Buffalo watch. Buffalo Wild Wings is literally get out. within, within <laughs> throwing a rock distance, and I have a terrible arm. So Raph just <laughs> left the podcast. He's headed yep, to Decatur, Alabama. Getting the flight back to the south, everybody. <laughs> That'll do you a lot of good. There's a lot of fun to be had here. <laughs> I, you know, I – I tell people, and I, I know Kevin shares this as well, I have very fond memories about living in the South. And that was the one drawback is when I was out there for school, when they didn't have a lot of jiu-jitsu places. And I was just like, no. So that when I got back to L.A., the first place I did visit for jiu-jitsu was the 10th Planet Burbank out here. And really? uh, that was really – yep. For you. I like <clears throat> that was the, the beginning school, of it. man. It's really cool. The, the lady – Kim Ferguson, mm-hmm. who runs the Burbank School, she's like, uh, was it maybe 2010 or 2011? I was out there for a week, mm-hmm. and that's where headquarters was for a little bit. That's where oh, Eddie yeah. was teaching out of while they were making their transition. But I was just so impressed by the way they did things and the way they ran their business. Like they got the little couch there in the front, you know, and yep. 
uh, it, it really she really motivated me to come back and try to do a better job of running my school and trying to have a legitimate business instead of just a hobby, you know? That's great. And I mean, I've, you know, I, I don't train there anymore, but whenever people ask me about that school, I tell them I had some of the best experiences. Uh, I remember just giving me the foundation to make my jujitsu place and doing from there. So I, I understand exactly what you're saying. It's a great school. It's a great place. And I'm, I'm glad it's doing good things for you, man. Can we ask real quick, are you doing other seminars as well that you're going to be doing later on this year? I am. In fact, this coming weekend, I'll be teaching alongside Eddie. Uh, so myself, Eddie Bravo, John Botello, who's another one of our black belts. I'm not a black belt. I'm a brown belt. I, should, I shouldn't say another one of our black belts. Uh, Eddie Bravo, myself, John Botello, black belt, uh, Gio Martinez, black belt, Richie Martinez, and Derek Stewart, both brown belts. We'll be teaching at the 10th Planet Midwest Training Camp in Omaha, Nebraska, May the 1st through the 4th. Um, information is there on 10thplanetjday.com. So we're going to have a good time. Everybody should come. It's welcome. And we're always, no matter where the seminar is or who's teaching it, if it's 10th Planet, everybody is welcome. We we don't play a political game. And even if yep. you hate us, we're going to love you back. It doesn't matter <laughs> to us. We're just happy that, that you're here. You know, we just want jujitsu for everybody. Yep. That's great. Absolutely. The song is I Dominated Eddie. The man is instructor and owner, Brandon McGatherin. Brandon, we cannot tell you how much we have uh, appreciated you being on the podcast, talking some jiu-jitsu, talking some music, talking some metamorphosis with us. Well, thanks for having me, man. It was really fun. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, Brandon McGatherin. Thank you, thank you. Barza, what a podcast that was. Yep. James Deco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he's always well, no, so, no, so. no, 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 no. That's good. We we like James. Um, we like the fact that he beat you. Don't oversell it. We tolerate James. We appreciate the occasional amusement he brings us. Let's just not. Can I be very real about this, though? Absolutely. You have already changed your Twitter. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And it's really weird. It's very hard to stare at James's picture, and James Deco is a beast whenever I post anything on Twitter. It's been really. It's weird for me because he's responding as well to our account. So there's notes from James, and then there's notes from James Deco as a beast. So it's very confusing to me because it's the same picture for both of them now. Yeah, that was uh, you know I try and go all the way. So. Thanks to him for swinging by, talking some UFC 172. Brandon McCatherin, 10th Planet, out there in Alabama. <laughs> fantastic. Inter- he was great. Mm-hmm. That's such a – the song is just fantastic. Hopefully people are checking it out after they hear I it. I think it's when really- we end, we might have to try and harmonize that part of the song. I think that will be the, the tack on. If you guys – if you smart fans stick around every once in a while and know that we're just kind of like Marvel sometimes when we put something at the end, we might do that. We like to reward a, mm-hmm. uh, a more fascinated audience just when sure. we can. Um, that's going to do it for us tonight, Rap. Wait. Wait. We've got to do shout-outs. We do. BJJFinder.com or download the app in the iTunes market. 
finding schools all over the world, country, wherever, but more importantly, you can also review, post some comments, let people know how it is, what you liked about the gym, maybe things that you might not have liked about the gym, or just the environment in general. Be super helpful. We need this. It's how we're getting past restaurants. We need those reviews. We need people to help us out so we don't, uh, you know, have to do it ourselves. That's the that's why the Internet's there, Raph. That's what I heard. Mm, thank you. Okay. No that's what it's for. I got it now, everybody. BJJ and MMA Academy out there in Chantilly, VA. No concept up in Maryland. And that, Raph, is going to do it for my shoutouts. Wonderful. Uh, I'd like to thank the good people over at Valley Martial Arts Center. Be back! <laughs> For a second, I thought you were doing uh, Morse code. I actually was, but I don't know Morse code, so I started okay. to do it. I think I did a V, and then okay. I said the rest. Oh, okay. I... Mac. What did you say there? Oh, that's a V? Yeah. Okay, are you sure? Uh, no, I might have just clicked a pen ten times. Okay. But... All right. Uh, a lot guys. of these podcasts, hard to get creative <laughs> all the time. Hard to oh, say yeah. That. The creativity within your pen. <laughs> yep. Uh, let's just say this. We had a four-hour open mat the other day. And uh, I've been inconsistently, due to sick and busy and whatever, not there. And so I don't know if you feel this way, but if you have like prolonged I'm not training moments, do you ever feel like you just lose the jiu-jitsu? Absolutely. Where you show back up and you're – and especially for this, it's going to a four-hour open mat and you go, oh, no. Am I going to be able to go-go gadget armbar? <laughs> go-go gadget Kimura. Oh, no. That's not working. Shit. And uh, I, I was relatively surprised to find that I had a very shockingly good day going back. So it was, it was very wonderful. And the thing I like about an open mat that that's long uh, – is that you get the opportunity to, to really drill and work those things that you want to improve. So to everybody there, and, and I hate to single out people, but um, I would like to thank Joseph Thomas. Uh, off air is telling Kevin, he is a guy who has wonderful spider guard. And by wonderful spider guard, I mean absolutely terrible, cringe-inducing spider guard. And here's the worst part, Kev, is that he's tall. Now, you're a little bit taller than me. You're like, what, 6'1 or something? Yes. He's 6'4. Jesus. Why? So, I don't know. I I wish I could go back to him and be like, why didn't you just stop at 6'1, you greedy bastard? Steroids. Yeah. But but the thing is, is like, you know those extra inches that you have, like, when you're trying to break somebody's guard and you're like, oh, I know this is my safe zone. Nope. Didn't have those anymore. Completely gone. (laughs) Like a quarter of an inch makes all the difference when you're like, and this is the worst part. Uh, When I got up and I actually was like transitioning around, I I stand back up out of his guard and he's able, like his extension, his foot can reach all the way to the top of my head still as he's still on the ground. And I was like, okay, buddy, this is too tall. You're still (laughs) on the ground and you are still taller than me. I don't like it. Uh, but he was such a wonderful help. He gave me some really good pointers. And uh, it was my first time getting a roll with him. And I think he's going to be such a great addition uh, to all of us. I know a lot of people have already said that. But it was my first opportunity to really roll with him. And he's exactly as advertised. He's going to be such a great, great force with us. So we're happy to have him. And I think he's going to come perform on our show at uh, Flappers, our early late night show. Awesome. So I'm looking forward to that because he's also a magician. Fuck. So whatever. Fuck him. Steroids. I'm just... Good with my hands everywhere, everybody. (laughs) 
Uh, so I want to thank them. I also want to thank, you know, our pal, Kev. Uh, you know Scotty Pyle. Yes. Okay. So Scotty Pyle sends me a uh, text the other day, and uh, I hadn't heard from him, but he had a kid. Whoa. A little yeah. pile. Yeah. And, and I knew he had a kid, but he pronounced it in his text just being like, hey, man, haven't heard from you in a while. Oh, by the way, you know I had a kid? <laughs> ah, whatever. I just want to know what you're thinking of the fights. I, I created like, life, Raph, but tell me about yeah. UFC 172. What'd you think? <laughs> right. And I told him, I was like, dude, that's cool. Um, shouldn't you be watching your kid now and not the fights? And this was his response. We're all watching, bro. I'm raising her on UFC. I don't care if she's only two years old. I'm raising her right or as right as possible. <laughs> and I told him, like, dude, I'm reading that on the podcast. He's like, that's fucking awesome. Do it. And I go, this is the best parroting I've, I've read in some time. We should have let off with that. I know. That's fantastic. I, know. I agree. So uh, to Scotty Pyle, we miss That's you Scott. dearly. Always, always text us. And uh, to our, our listeners, thank you guys for coming back in. Kev, uh, we are going to have to put on our, our note uh, on our write-up here. We'll, we'll put the note for you guys to give us a call and let us know what you guys think of what we're doing. You know, we're trying out new segments. We're making small little improvements here and there. And uh, we'll give you guys the phone number to call. So that you can leave a message for us, because we'll listen to it. Seven zero three six three five two one six eight. Verbal tag it'll, hotline. It'll be a good time. You'll hear Kevin's luxuriously terrible voice, and uh, that's how you know. You'll hear a message. And you'll say blah blah blah. Verbal tap industries. Leave us a message, and if we like it, we might even put it on air. And speaking of which, we got our two thousand or two hundred. I wish it was our two thousand. I was going to say <laughs> two hundred. Like on- count that. That's the stature of this man. <laughs> our two hundredth. He's a stature of thousands. Uh, Zach Calhoun will actually. As his reward for being our 200th Facebook fan, he is going to be brought on the podcast to talk with us. So keep in mind, guys, you're going to want to follow us and you want to get in quick because we've already just added our social media presence to be a little bit bigger on both Instagram and Vine. So in addition to Twitter, Verbal Tapcast, you can also find us on Instagram at Verbal Tapcast and on what's the other one? Twitter, Vine, who can remember Instagram. All of them. Who cares? We're on all of them. Just point. Google it. Find us. And fuck that. You can even see us on YouTube. It's all there. Like but, it. Uh, subscribe. If you guys do that, then you might just be like Zach, and we might pull you on the show just to say what's up. So dubs opportunities for you guys. TF, love it, Raph. And hey, while they're working or you know not doing anything, either way, don't forget to head on over to iTunes. Give us a little five star review if that's where that's- you're downloading the podcast. Let's cool. just remember. That's going to do it for us tonight here at Verbal Tap. I'm Kevin. Thanks for listening. Good night and good fight. One, two, three, four. A dominated <laughs> This is surprisingly hard to do. I wa- it's, it wasn't bad for uh, not having even remotely. I was like, it. I think he's going to go high. I'm going to try. No, he's going to go low. I'll go a little high. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Why don't we try it again? But I'll I'll go low and you go high. Okay. One, two, three. No, not as good. Not as good. I better go high and you go low. Okay. Good night, everybody.